This podcast was recorded before the global pandemic. While the world looks a lot different today, we believe this content remains valuable for helping organizations move forward and emerge stronger. The manufacturing industry is undergoing massive changes. From the Internet of Things to the continued adoption of automation, it's a changing world. These changes create opportunities for employees, but can also present a steep learning curve with new skills requirements. I'm Greg Thomas from Workday, and today on the podcast, we're discussing how digitization is impacting the skills and talent needed for the current and future manufacturing workforce. I'm joined today by Tina Seashore, leader of global rewards at Oshkosh Corporation, and Jeff Ricono, customer success lead at Mercer. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Let's just start with a simple question. Why don't you both share a little bit about your background and, and what you do? And we'll start with you, Tina. So I have the privilege to be in the global rewards function for most of my career. I went to school and have an HR degree. So I've spent almost 20 years now just trying to make a difference in the people that I get the privilege to work with each day. So what does global rewards mean? Many people ask that. Well, it's everything to do with compensation benefits, HR systems, executive compensation, and all the things that fit in between. And I've been with Oshkosh now four and a half years. I've spent all but two years of my career in the manufacturing world. I also spent some time with a large retailer. So I certainly have respect for shift work and working around the clock. It's been fun. Jeff? I'm the uh, customer success leader from Mercer. I started in manufacturing after getting an engineering degree and also I'm familiar with shift work. Had done a lot of IT support early in my career, IT management roles, then had done a lot of program and process re-engineering throughout my career for different types of industries. And most recently in my current role, I've been with Mercer about five years now in a customer success role, really helping our customers achieve success through really the application of technology to improve business processes for their organizations. And so it's, it's been a great career and a great opportunity to work in this kind of way with our customers. I'm glad you're both here. So we're going to talk about the changes facing manufacturing mm -hmm. overall, and then we're going to talk about employee experience and sort of how to help folks succeed in that. So when you think about digitization and other disruptive forces, starting with you, Jeff, just, just talk a little bit about how jobs are done is changing within manufacturing. There really are a number of factors that play into that. In today's world, more and more employees are, are seeking out organizations that are applying technology to have things like they have it today in their personal world, they like to see that same technology available to them in their work world. And so I think that's, a, that's something that companies have to embrace to be attractive to the new workforce that's coming of age. You know, more and more companies that are intentional about applying technology are really ahead of those who just kind of meander down the path of saying, this looks like the new thing I should go do. And that's what Oshkosh did. They were very intentional about having a vision and setting forth some guiding principles. We partner with them in that and guide them along that path. And we fit very well with the vision that they had laid out. And we kind of came to that together. Do you want to add a little bit to that in terms of what Oshkosh's vision was and what you were hoping to achieve? Yeah. When I started with the organization over four and a half years ago, I could say we had not the best team member experiences. So when we think about career candidates or those just starting with us or those who have been with us 60, 50, 40 years, they often said doing business with HR was complicated or they weren't sure where to go or why do they have to sign 28 forms and talk to five people that they don't know 
just to get simple things done. So quickly, I recognize that, hey, we've got a great opportunity for our people. And when you think about Oshkosh Corporation, anybody who knows anything about us, we build the best machines and vehicles out there. We build, serve, defend, protect, and we make a difference in people's lives. And I just felt, along with the team, that our team members were missing out on something special. The purpose of our organization is outstanding. You don't have to teach people about quality when they're tightening a wrench and making sure that vehicle going to a Marine Corps member, that they're gonna come home safely, that's the mission. But it was really about, now how do we make their experience at work the best it could be? So we set forth a strategic vision and said, if we could rewrite the story for all 15,000 people around the globe, what would we do? And we ultimately came up with giving them tools, resources to deliver a frictionless experience. We wanted to be easy to do business with. We wanted to be that employer of choice, no matter where we were operating. And to be honest, if you know where we are, we're not in the coolest locations (laughs) around the world. We're often in some small communities and those communities rely heavily on us. So that's what we did. We set forth and we didn't waver from it. And all the other decisions just made sense because we had that guiding principle, what we call a vision map, and ultimately just making sure that we were putting the people at the center of every decision that we made. We had to pause and and look at our HR friends and our finance friends around the world and say, this tool isn't for you or these processes aren't for you. You get to be a benefiter of such. However, we're doing this for our people because they deserve it. So for listeners who might not know as much about Oshkosh, give us a little bit of a sense of the composition of the workforce. How many folks are are literally on the line turning those wrenches you talked about? How many folks are sort of sitting at desks? Because those are quite different experiences that people have coming to work every day. That's a great question, and it sets context, certainly for many challenges that other manufacturing organizations have. About 65% of our people out of the 15,000 work on the manufacturing floor on various shifts every day of the week. And the rest, I would say, would be back office type folks. We do have four market segments and they each make different products, yet we're still an integrated organization. Not fully though. So we like to share resources and technology and we've got some wonderful patents out there that all of our business units can leverage, our purchasing power, et cetera. And we certainly wanna make sure that we can transfer talent throughout our organization. But with that composition of people, it really does impact how you deploy a process, no matter what it is, big or small. We have to be thinking about the most sophisticated team member and those that maybe English isn't their first language. And what are we doing to care for them in those moments that matter the most? Are things simple? Are they accessible? And every one of our communication plans, the way that we speak, our tone really needs to be focused on all different types of people, no matter where they are. That's fantastic. I don't know if you'd add anything to that. One of the things that we did with Oshkosh is have a global process workshop, and they brought employees from all over the world together, representing the different lines of business, into a four-day workshop where we walked through every business process that they had today and really set the stage for what the future was going to look like. And it really focused on having that representation globally to be able to say, hey, what do the employees care about in these different countries? It was a very well-run workshop. Hats off to the Oshkosh team for dedicating the time and the attention to making that happen. But it really laid a groundwork for the entire implementation of the technology of Workday that came shortly thereafter. 
picking up that thread, one of the things that we hear from customers who have the most success is that they take the time to do that, really looking at what are we hoping to achieve, what are the processes, what's working, what's not, and take it as an opportunity to move into the future as to where you want to be. So why, why was that so important that you did it that way? Yes, there are so many reasons. <laughs> I would say I've had some experience implementing technology in my past, so certainly I took all of those learnings and failures and applied them. I view myself as a continuous learner and I wanted to make sure Oshkosh was well prepared for what I knew and made sure I surrounded myself with people who were also familiar with what it could look like. But really for us, we had to sell the technology investment because we knew it was large and many of our leaders in the organization didn't understand why we would want to invest in HR technology. We went on a change management campaign and said, this is our people technology platform. Agnostic to a tool or whomever are the best players out there, what does this mean? What's that opportunity for Oshkosh? We got people understanding where the issues were, where we had opportunities to improve. And why that was so important is we already had buy-in and we brought up the dirty laundry of the way things were operating. And a lot of our senior leaders or even leaders throughout the organization and, and our functional leaders we're surprised that that's what our people were experiencing and they knew we could do better. There's often how we think things work yes. and how things actually work yeah. and they're not the same. So we spent a significant amount of time. The first ask of this investment, which I mentioned was really a technology play, but strategically in the vision, and we did this intentionally, was something more than that. We knew the technology was going to give us permission to do two things. One was to completely alter our team member experience, which that's what we were after, and have the courage to transform the HR organization. Because we knew we were probably punching below our belt. We were doing things that we probably shouldn't be, and we needed to be focused on the business and how we become the best HR business partner. So those were the two outputs that we were looking to seek. The technology was our avenue to get there, but we had to have the courage to look at all of them collectively. Otherwise, we would not have been as successful. I know there's some changes to how you're delivering these services now to that global employee base. Talk about that new experience that's helping to engage employees around the globe. Certainly. So as I mentioned, we had a vision map that had multiple principles attached to it. Simple words like, Think globally always. Think simple. Think agile. They were all descriptors that we needed to achieve when we were talking about our team member experience. So every design decision, every deployment application, whether that was a portal or translations, what languages we decided, was all about putting that team member at the center and, again, meeting them in the moments that matter the most and making sure that we could serve an exceptional experience. We also stood up a new department within the human resources function called Global HR Services. And they are our first line of HR professionals, first line of defense. And what that allowed was the correct space between our centers of excellence and our HR business partners so they could elevate. So not only are they HR, but they're also team members. So how are we delivering experiences to them? How are we making that leader experience different? It's not just the person who has a question about their paycheck or where they can find their performance review form or rating, anything under the sun comes to that HR services team and they're able to answer those questions consistently 
and ultimately in the language that they prefer and get to it through multiple channels, whether that be online, a phone call. Uh, we really just made it available and then marketed the heck out of it to the best of our ability. And we're still doing that. We have adoption goals and we'll continue setting forth so we get as many people engaged in the tools so that their experiences can improve. How did you think about that service model given that you have folks on the manufacturing floor who probably aren't sitting in front of a computer and you talked about there's online, there's the phone, there's all sorts mm -hmm. of things, but that must have been a bit of a challenge to figure out how do we get folks to the information they need. Certainly. And the further you get away from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, the more complex it is. If you ask any large Fortune 500 plus organization, the further you're away from the center, the more the message gets lost. So mobile was absolutely important to us. We were not going to waver on that. We delivered mobile day one and we delivered not only our HR portal, but Workday within the mobile application. We pushed it to all devices that were Oshkosh owned. And then we did things like desk drops and mailers to home that basically said, here's how you get engaged. And we're doing all types of different campaigns to get people just in the tool and engaging. We had to partner very closely with our IT team because we did things like single sign-on kiosk implementation so that the barrier to information was removed to the best of our ability. We certainly didn't get it perfect, but we are learning every day and our goal ultimately is to make that incremental step change. Hopefully over time we get higher adoption and people just learn that that's the way of business. And I should say our new team members coming in the door, they don't know any differently. So it's amazing. We have team members that work for us today that have had different experiences elsewhere. So they were really demanding of it. Felt like they were taking a step backwards perhaps by coming to our company, not for career development, but the way in which they were doing their job or leveraging the HR function or just getting access to information. Then we have folks that have been there a long time that say, you're moving my cheese. Help me get there. And we're working with everybody yeah. in the way that they need. Back to something, Jeff, you said at the beginning, that experience that we all bring in from our personal lives. Mm -hmm. we, we sort of expect the technology to yeah. work the way yes. it should work. Okay. Sometimes it probably does feel like things have changed if you've been around a while because you know where the cheese is, but ultimately, hopefully, it's tastier. <laughs> yeah. yes. Absolutely. That's the goal. I think the frictionless side, one of the objectives that, that Oshkosh set out to achieve was key because everyone wants that ability to be able to go and maybe change a beneficiary just the way they go and order something off of Amazon. Mm -hmm. And in and, and the new workforce coming into the world today, you know, that's just something they grew up with, so they expect it. One of the things that, that Tina called out that I want to hit on is the change management side of this project. They really took time to understand their stakeholder groups, understand what kinds of ways that they might consume getting ready for this transformation, and then testing that out in workshops where they had their quick reference guides and videos and were able to be able to say, hey, if you receive this on day one, tell us what's wrong with it. Tell us what we can do to improve it. Tell us how it would make your life easier in starting this journey with Workday going live. And it was very, very timely in the implementation. It was also very, impactful because I got a lot of great feedback on how to make changes before they went live. Well, thank you, Jeff. We did a lot of that yeah. stuff. It's often hard to remember all of the yeah. work we did, but that was a very yeah. critical element to our success. So let's shift gears a little bit and talk about 
skills gaps in the manufacturing industry overall. You know, there's there are those 40, 50, 60 year plays you were talking about, Tina. Those are probably moving out of the workforce. There's folks coming in. Whether you're in a small town or somewhere else, maybe not always the industry that people look to, and maybe the folks coming in don't have the right skills. Starting with you, Jeff, talk about skills and, and what the industry is facing in terms of finding the right kinds of folks. So I'll tell you what impressed upon me when in engaging with, with Oshkosh is in our conversations to their CHRO about some of the programs that they have to be able to address this talent gap. And, and Tina will talk more about this. But being able to go back into the middle schools and the high schools and start educating them on who Oshkosh is and what they have to offer from an employer standpoint, getting the youth interested in doing the kinds of jobs that Oshkosh has to offer. Certainly. So our war on talent is the same as work days, as our competitors, as our local employers in our community. So we've got manufacturing skill gaps. Just the technical labor is a struggle, and specifically painters and welders. About two years ago, we set on this journey and just said, what are all these ideas that we can think of to engage this technical career because it is decreasing in the technical mm -hmm. schools. And it is so much about culture, Jeff talked about in middle school, grade school, high school, the technical colleges. So we've actually put an awesome plan together to attract talent. We're also reinvesting in our people, those who have been assemblers, who have the desire to learn to become welders, we're putting them through school. We're putting them through training. Same thing on the painting side. And then hopefully hiring in on the assembler group. We have a women in welding program, and we just graduated our first class. We went out to a very high unemployment rate city and recruited talent because most of the unemployment rates in our communities are under 3%. So we went to where the talent was, skilled labor, and actually have successfully retained most people that we've moved. And that was to Minnesota <laughs> from a warm climate. I didn't think starting Oshkosh that we were going to have an issue or concern with skilled labor. We certainly have it on the office side around electrification, around data analytics, and we certainly know we have a skill gap and we're talking about reinventing our people too and sending them off to training to make sure that we can harness and keep that skill internally, but we're really trying all different ways and leveraging our community partners, everything that we can. Ultimately, the employee value proposition has to be known for Oshkosh no matter where you are, and I think we have a compelling purpose and story. We're just working really hard now on getting it out there. I know a lot of employers struggle with how to sell the business case mm -hmm. on that kind of investment in the workforce that you were talking about. How did Oshkosh come to realize the, the long-term value of finding those folks in those communities or just upskilling the people who are already there? I can tell you it really resonates and goes back to our culture. We have, and we say this proudly, a people-first culture, which means we put people at the center of all of our decision-making. We also have a strong responsibility to our shareholders. Everybody knows we're publicly traded and we wanna be around. We just celebrated our 100 year anniversary a couple years ago and it's about creating the next 100 years. So our leaders and our people connect with the products and the customers that leverage them, the firefighter, the warfighter, the person working at heights, et cetera. It just goes back to who we are as an organization and that's making a difference. 
So we know that we have to be creative and we want to stand tall and be around for the next 100 years. And we really have that resiliency and tenacity in our organization, perseverance. And we're going to go after whatever we can to make sure that we're still here and people become even better when they work for our organization. So this has been a a fantastic conversation. For those who are listening, what advice would you have to HR leaders, to to business leaders in other manufacturing organizations who are on the same journey? So I'd say the the key thing is intentionality. Starting with the vision, Oshkosh started with the vision of their future underpinned by some guiding principles that we leveraged throughout the entire implementation and their entire transformation. Being able to envision the future and see a better future for your organization is, is key. Manufacturing organizations historically have been hobbled together systems over many decades. And to be able to kind of push that aside and say, what could we be in the future? There was a lot of thought that went into it because we helped match what Mercer has to offer with the vision they had, whether it be in the HR transformation area or whether it be application of a technology. That's really where we were able to help them shine and do their best work by being a partner to them. Thanks, Jeff. I get asked this question quite a bit about what would you do different or what advice would you give to someone trying to attack this journey and and make things better? I agree. First and foremost, it's bringing the right stakeholders in a room and spending time putting words on a blank sheet of paper. I know it can feel daunting and overwhelming, but ultimately, as an HR leader or a leader in any organization, If you truly believe that your team members or employees are your number one asset, which Oshkosh does, it's worth the time and energy to make their work life much better. So it's really coming together and saying, what could things be like? Trying to be a visionary. It doesn't have to be perfect. And then just setting forth a plan to make things better. And I would also encourage the stakeholders So as an example, I spent a year and a half before we actually got the go-ahead to make an investment in technology with a one-pager that just said, here's our opportunity statement. What's in it for employees? What's in it for the organization? What's in it for the leaders? And it wasn't about employees can change their address online by themselves. That's certainly awesome. We know that. But it was about how we make this organization better. And we were very clear. And any opportunity I could to share that information, I did with our leadership team, our finance group, our IT and HR, and then have those messages cascaded. When we made the ask for the technology, we had laid our groundwork. Everyone goes, well, yeah, why wouldn't we do this? Not everyone, most. And then they were saying, well, who's going to help us do this? So we were very much technology agnostic at that point. We knew who the key players were that could help us, but we were clear on our vision. So then when we would go and meet potential partners, we were clear, lockstep, connected, aligned to what we were looking to achieve. And then we just wrapped our arms around who was gonna help us bring it to life. So that's my best advice. It takes courage and time, but it's worth it. So you can really articulate what you're trying to do for your organization. It's nice to know where you're trying to go if you're setting out on a journey, isn't it? Yes, it it is. Well, that's all the time we have. I want to thank my guests, Tina Seashore from Oshkosh Corporation and Jeff Racona from Mercer. If you'd like to hear more Workday podcasts, make sure to subscribe. Thanks for listening.